Welcome back to Plastic Surgery Decoded, the podcast where we demystify plastic surgery and unpack it into relatable concepts. I'm your host, Dr. Regina Newhan, and today we're talking about breast reduction. We'll go over why someone would consider it and how it's done, what to expect afterwards, complications, alternatives, and frequent patient questions. Remember that this podcast reflects my experience and opinion. It is not intended to give formal medical advice, but instead you can use it to gain insight whether you are actually considering a procedure or you're just curious. So settle in for a listen and enjoy. Breast reduction, or reduction mammoplasty as it's also known, is one of the more common breast procedures done these days. Why would someone do it? Sometimes for purely cosmetic reasons, to remove just a bit here or there, to look better and feel more comfortable in clothing. But most commonly, it's for functional reasons. And in those cases, it might be covered by insurance depending upon symptoms and how much tissue is removed as measured in grams of weight. Why functional? Well, anyone who has had a reduction done for functional reasons will tell you what a tremendous relief in back, neck, and shoulder pain it can produce. There seem to be more and more women each year who are suffering with problems that turn out to be caused by the heaviness of their breasts. Can't relate? How about this? Imagine a piece of rope slung around the back of your neck with each end in front attached to a brick, one on each side of the chest. Might be able to walk around a couple of hours and tolerate it, but imagine all day, every day, never getting a break, even at night. Imagine the muscle spasms in the back and neck from trying to hold up that heavy weight. Imagine the difficulty finding a bra that fits well, and even then the straps and underwires start digging in over time, sometimes causing skin breakdown. It's hard to stand for periods of time, do a job, work out, or even sit up straight for very long. The physical pain starts to wear psychologically, and impacts one's whole outlook. And this description doesn't even begin to convey the mental stress that can be produced by strangers staring at your large breasts all day long. So what is the goal of a breast reduction surgery? Well, it's to remove some of the breast tissue without compromising the blood supply to the nipple and to produce a breast shape that is as aesthetically pleasing as possible with the least amount of scar tissue. All of that takes a fair amount of finesse. The added bonus is that these patients effectively get a breast lift in the process of decreasing the breast size. So the breast ends up smaller and sits comfortably higher on the chest wall. Now despite what the average person may think, exact bra size after surgery cannot be accurately predicted. We surgeons can estimate how much volume would be removed or even approximate the weight of the tissue but bra size is a different animal. Bra or cup sizes are determined by the difference between the circumferential measurement around the rib cage versus the measurement around the breasts. So the exact same breast on three different people surprisingly would result in three different cup sizes due to the difference in the size of their rib cages. It should also be noted that due to the swelling after surgery, it may be a couple of months before an accurate new bra size can be determined. 
There are oodles of techniques that have been described over the years to accomplish a breast reduction. Of these, the inferior pedicle technique is probably the most common, and you may have heard of it described as the anchor incision. The incision, and therefore the scar, goes around the nipple, from the nipple to the crease under the breast, and most of the way along that crease. The pedicle refers to the section of breast tissue that is left intact, keeping blood supply to the nipple, while the excess tissue surrounding it nearby is removed. And other types of pedicle techniques can be used depending upon where this nipple supporting tissue is based, such as superior, medial, or even double pedicle. Still other techniques use a purely vertical incision to try to minimize scars, but not everyone is a candidate for this. The best incision for a patient is the one that the surgeon thinks suits the patient's needs and with which they are the most comfortable performing. This would be established in the initial consultation with the plastic surgeon. Whichever method is chosen, the recovery will still likely be pretty similar. It's often an outpatient procedure with a general anesthetic. Frequently, the sutures are absorbable, so they dissolve over time and don't have to be removed. And weaving the sutures underneath the skin can minimize stitch marks later. Some patients will have a drain in place for a short while to collect any fluid or blood that might be otherwise building up and causing unwanted stretching or pressure, but not all surgeons use drains. Scar care instructions are typically given, and return to work can usually be after a couple of weeks, maybe less than that if it was a very small reduction, but return of energy and stamina, allowing one to return to a full day of work, may take a couple of weeks anyway. For those who have pretty strenuous jobs, four to six weeks off might be more appropriate. By the way, some people wonder what happens to the breast tissue that was removed. Is it just discarded? The answer is no. The tissue is typically sent to a pathology lab just for a routine exam. In my 25 years of practice, I have found a handful of early breast cancers that way in patients who had no other symptoms. So I think it's worth doing. What could go wrong with a breast reduction? Well, aside from general surgical complications, some rare but important ones that are specific to breast reduction should be discussed, and they include nipple compromise and sensation changes. Great care is taken to keep the nipple attached to enough blood supply from healthy tissue to stay alive after surgery. But despite that, problems can ensue. Sometimes the risk of non-survival of the nipple can be predicted by the length distance between the nipple and the crease where the breast is attached to the chest. If this distance is found to be too long, then sometimes a free nipple graft technique may be performed instead of the pedicle technique. That involves completely removing the nipple at the beginning of the procedure, carefully and sterilely preserving it during the reduction surgery, then stitching it back on like a skin graft once a smaller breast mound has been shaped. It usually survives well, but loses sensation as a consequence. As for sensation in general, regardless of technique, there can be some temporary loss, but most often it gradually improves over time. If there is some numbness after surgery, it would be unusual for it to last longer than a few months, though rarely it can be permanent. Another complication could be something called wound dehiscence, or separation. During surgery, the breast incisions are stitched back up in a way to keep the new breast snug and kind of perky. 
but if there is a fair amount of swelling, this could pop a few stitches, and a dehiscence or a skin separation could develop. If so, it's likely small and will heal on its own. If it seems larger than that, surgical intervention may be needed, often done right in the office with local anesthetic. Some patients ask if there are alternatives to surgically reducing the size of the breast. The answer is yes, but they can either be difficult or less successful. For example, patients often try losing weight to see if a breast size will go down, but that only works if the breast is relatively fatty rather than glandular. A glandular breast, seen more often in younger women, has a lot of firm tissue that will not change with weight variation. A more fatty breast will indeed decrease to some degree with overall weight loss. Our breasts become more fatty and less glandular as we age. Another alternative you may hear mentioned is liposuction. Again, this would only be successful in a more fatty breast, since a glandular breast is so dense it cannot be penetrated by the liposuction cannula. And even if successful, the overlying skin envelope may not shrink back up after the procedure, possibly leaving a droopier appearing breast as compared to the preoperative state. A standard surgical breast reduction with removal of some excess skin eliminates this problem, producing a relatively lifted new breast. Now let's talk about some questions patients have had. Can the breasts ever grow larger again? Usually not, unless there's weight gain, and then all bets are off. If the procedure was done when the patient was young, however, and breasts had not stopped growing, enlargement could still continue even after surgery. That's why most surgeons recommend waiting until bra sizes have not increased for two years. And rarely, if a patient has a hormonal imbalance or is being treated with hormones, there can be some unusual breast growth at that time as well. A lot of patients also ask, what happens if they get pregnant later? Pregnancy will indeed result in the new smaller breast getting larger, but we can't predict by how much. After delivery and any breastfeeding are finished, the breasts may not return to their shape before pregnancy and may benefit from a touch-up procedure to correct these changes if the patient desires. Finishing childbearing prior to the surgery is ideal for best outcome, but it is not always practical and certainly is not required. And let's touch on breastfeeding while we're at it. Depending upon the surgical technique that was used and nipple survival, the patient theoretically could still be able to breastfeed, but they can't absolutely count on it, unfortunately, as internal scar tissue may get in the way. Furthermore, a now smaller breast may or may not be able to produce enough milk to sustain a baby. A woman won't know this until she tries. Well, what about mammograms after surgery? If a patient is due for their yearly mammogram, I think it's best to have this study done before rather than after surgery. If something suspicious were to be found on the mammogram, you would want to deal with it before embarking on breast reduction surgery. Plus, even though postoperative pain is mostly gone by one to two weeks, it's usually about six months before someone is okay with the compression that occurs in a mammogram machine. Ouch. <coughs> Lastly, what do patients think afterwards, when the healing is over? Well, I can tell you that for the most part, these are some of the happiest patients we have in the plastic surgery world. The lifestyle changes alone are so rewarding to the patient 
that they seem to far outweigh any concern over scar length or downtime. And that makes the surgeon feel pretty good, too. Well, that's our show for today. Hope you enjoyed it and learned something, too. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Please share this podcast with someone else who might be interested. And while you're at it, check out the podcast website for related topics to explore. It's www.plasticsurgerydecoded.com. And as always, thank you for listening to Plastic Surgery Decoded.